Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Madigan. And you're listening once again, or perhaps the first time again, I think I've already done this bit, to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast where we talk about Dungeons and Dragons monsters for now and possibly things in the future, maybe. Or, <laughs> I mean, like, realistically, we'll probably die before then. That's very true. Yeah. The the, the world will end, time will cease and by mm. the time we ever make it to another book. Yeah, America will sink into the ocean by the time we finish the Monster <laughs> Manual, I'm guessing. When we start Volos, we will be residents of Australia, most likely. Mm, mm. And it's hard living in Australia. I I definitely can't take it. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about today? We're talking about the Cambian <laughs> on this one. We're talking, we're gonna go sit down, we're gonna summon up our demons and our devils. There is a difference in D&D, frustratingly. And we're gonna talk about <laughs> a pretty nice entry point into the general fiend category. This being our first fiend monster. Kind of oh, yeah, fittingly. Yeah, first fiends. Yeah, it's our first fiend on page 66 of the notes, which is metal as fuck. Hey. It was the most metal possible number it could have been. So good job, all the other monsters, for taking up exactly the amount of space they needed. <laughs> yeah, so kind of helpfully in terms of lore and wrapping your head around the extended evil celestial plane stuff, of which there is a lot in D&D, the Cambian is kind of faction neutral in a way that I, I think ultimately ends up making it a pretty good candidate for a fiend-themed campaign. So, like, if you know for a fact this game is ending with somebody punching Asmodeus, a fiend <laughs> is a good initial stepping stone into Asmodeus punching. Yeah. So, like, to elaborate a little bit more, generally speaking, fiends are divided into devils and demons, and devils are pretty much the sort of fiendish creatures you think of when you think of, like, a sexy devil, like a lawful evil Mephistopheles sign your soul away yeah. in a contract kind of I was gonna Satan. say heavy heavy contracts like crossroad demons let's make a deal kind of yeah absolutely this is like a this is a fairy tale kind of devil this is like a fun devil this is this is good cop effectively yeah. <laughs> well yeah often in D&D they're used to highlight the like evil found in banality or like evil in infrastructure the kind of monstrous bureaucracy dystopia kind of thing so, like, lots of slavery, lots of rules, lots of politics, lots of intrigue in terms of trying to raise your station, which is something that a lot of evil creatures in D&D spend their entire existence trying to do. So there's that kind of hell. In contrast, there are the chaotic evil demons, which are the more, like, they're pretty much the epitome of, like, the pure instinct murder machine. So, like, we've talked about bullywugs and bugbears, and someday we'll talk about like, uh, gnolls and that whole sort of thing. And demons are pretty much the diluted physical form aspect of this instinctual murder monster kind of thing. So these are, like, the weird Silent Hill-esque hell is just a endless torture wasteland kind of fiend that we get yeah. here. Yeah, if, if the devils are the good cop, I'm gonna say they're the bad cop. If devils are the bad cop, demons are the loose cannon cop who doesn't play by the rules. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Where devils in the Nine Hells have a very stratified structure, demons in the Abyss where they live, the political sphere is usually just like, you know, whoever the best eater is is president, and that is about as far as that goes. Yeah. Personally, I, you know, take a wild fucking guess which one I prefer. I typically <laughs> like the devils a little bit more because, you know, I'm down for a cerebral dark irony. I think there's more room for fun and comedy and, like, interesting surprises in the fiends, uh, in the, the devil side of the fiends. But I think that demons can also be done well if you really go out of your way to sell them as the biggest, baddest death horde in the multiverse. Yeah, and I mean, like... Dark irony can absolutely be applied to demons, but it's a show, not tell. Whereas devils, you can, you can like role play and act a character. Whereas yeah. with demons, it's like there isn't any demon you could possibly put into your game where you're like, I'm the the king of the demons. Yeah, like, yeah. One is a phoenix, right? The other is like a clever girl kind of thing where you don't expect. <laughs> this thing that doesn't look like it can speak and run at the same time to use pack tactics on you. Yeah. So regardless, we'll find that the nature of Cambians and more importantly, the nature of their parentage have set up Cambians as being kind of versatile and that they can be found on either side of the 
devil demon spectrum. In terms of what a cambion actually is, vaguely it is the child of a fiend and just a regular humanoid. So often the fiend is a succubus or an incubus, which we'll talk about in some amount of months as being like the, <laughs> well, you, you know, you know what a succubus it is. It's the sex demon thing. As kind of like, yeah, as like a minor addendum, I did a bit of research into succubi and incubi in D&D. And like, without derailing too much, I will say that these are probably the classiest sex demons I've ever seen. They're, they're the amount of restraint in oh, yeah. D&D succubi fifth edition is really kind of impressive and wholesome in a way that it subverts my expectations for sure it's like they couldn't they didn't want to commit to the bit with fuck demons or fuck devils i guess and so they just kind of were like all right how could we make succubuses and incubuses and still have people who are under the age of 16 play this game absolutely and so like you know without getting too much into it i will say like as a metonymous example of how succubi and incubi in D&D 5th edition is. It is. The book tells us that it is rare that they even do have sex with mortals and they're flavored more as like a, like a tempter figure rather than just a straight I'm a eat your orgasm kind of demon. Yeah. Yeah. More like Faust, less teen wolf. <laughs> yeah. So look forward to that episode in like five years or whatever. Yeah. Bringing it back to Cambians. The book specifies that the Cambian child is usually the child of one of these sex demons. And then also, for some reason, the book specifies that the humanoid part of the equation is often just a human. But they don't really give us an explanation for why they're usually humans. And I, I don't know, like, I feel like other D&D races fuck as much as we do. <laughs> I just felt like... I don't know, I felt called out in some way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, the implication being that half-orcs and half-elves are always half-human, like... Yeah, I guess humans are the most breedable of things. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah. I guess. I guess, uh, if I were to make another guess, it would be that, like, it would be significantly harder to make a hot cambion if the other half of the equation is an orc. And D&D &D 5th edition seems very invested in making hot cambions. Yeah, they, 5th edition via the books isn't really about making hot orcs, which yeah. I'm against. Uh, I, I <laughs> prefer to not use orcs, I think. I think I'm on the side of, like, in the same way with bugbears, I'm... I, I don't necessarily know how I would want to handle an orc, but this isn't the orc episode, this is a cambion episode. Let's True. talk about cambions. So in terms of the artistic representation that we get, it's pretty standard D&D fare. They're hot, armored devil guys. Ta-da. Yeah. The armor that we get, it's real, like, mid-2000s D&D armor, too. Like, this is... It heavily reminds me of the, like, late 3.5 through 4th edition stuff. So there's a lot of spikes, a lot of scales, a lot of big pauldrons. And if almost to top it all off, the dude we get here has a quartet of... Hot Topic earrings with some matching <laughs> douchebag-ass tribal tattoos. <laughs> it's the tattoos that really sell it. It's like the more I look at it, the more aggressively mid-2000s it looks. <laughs> like the face the dude is making, I swear I've seen Amy Lee make that exact face on an Evanescence album cover. I was gonna say, I like the art of this because it's androgynous. Yes. I, it is definitely hard to tell whether it is supposed to be male or female, and I kind of like that. Yeah. I wish that more fiend artwork kind of maybe took that path. Yeah. Just because, like, yeah, the sex of devils is hard. Like, <laughs> It's true, it's true. Though I would argue that because of the, like, Sonic-tier rude boy vibe we get from this dude, plus all of the, like, curving stuff, I... I would guess I that guess this so. Cambion is probably closer to the demon side of the fiend spectrum rather than the devil side. True. I thought it was female because the chest looks female to me. But... Mm, yeah, for some reason the proportions, I read it as male. But mm. I I do completely agree that there is kind of an ambiguity to, uh, to the Cambion here. Which I, if I had to guess, I would say is a 
kind of reflection of how succubi and incubi are portrayed in that's D&D what, yeah, as being that's also was, just kind of ambiguously hot. That's what I was trying to like find. I wanted to see if the answer that they gave was like, it's both. Well, like, oh, okay. let me tell you, scroll down like 200 pages <laughs> and you can see for yourself that the, uh, the succubi and the incubi art. Oh, I've seen. In, in, yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> but yeah, there there is definitely like an ambiguity to each side. They look fairly similar. And I think that's what they were trying to capture with the Cambian right here. Is that yeah. sense of like appeals to all people kind of sexiness. Yeah. Hot no matter who you are. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's fair. I usually when when we did Blights, it felt kind of bullshit that Blights were sexy wood elves. I I <laughs> yeah. think it's fair if you want to make your Cambian sexy just because of the nature of their heritage. Yeah. Yeah, so weird tangent. Beyond all of the rap metal accoutrement that this guy has, uh, and I use the term guy neutrally, the Cambian looks pretty much like a winged tiefling, which is to say they have bright red skin, they have long snaky tails, and devil horns of various sizes. I will say that there is kind of a neat artistic theme in terms of the Cambian that we get right here of like hooks and curves into uh, all of the pretty much everything that the cambian is rocking it's curved or hooked in a wicked looking way and there's kind of a neat like metal mid-2000s charm to it right so the tail yeah. corkscrews in kind of a neat way and the spear corkscrews in a similar matching way and then like the the cambian has these frayed bat-like wings that hook at pretty much every chance the artist could get it's like fine right it's such an yeah. edge lore. It's so like unabashedly edgy. If you that if it you feels cut fine. this picture out and you put it looming in the background of a Black Sabbath album, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No, no. It it's it's fine. It's fine. I don't have like <laughs> it it does what it sets out to do. And in terms of the Roger Ebertian method of critique, that that <laughs> that counts as a fine for me. Maybe I have a complaint, but, like, looking at it, I can't bring myself to, like... Yeah. I can't bring myself to critique it because it's so stylized in such a particular way that yeah, everything it's so, looks on purpose. Yeah, like, it's so to a point. The tribal tattoos, the frayed wings, the, like, the slicked back hair. It's very, like, this is exactly what we were going for. And to that end, it would feel kind of childish to critique it. The only complaint yeah. I could have is that... You know, I like weird shit, and this isn't very weird. Yeah. But it does the job, which is all we can more or less ask for a monster manual picture. Yeah. So in terms of the lore we get, Cambians are, as we said, the spawn of the unholy union between a fiend and a humanoid. As we get with tieflings, the specifics of a Cambian's body can change depending on the type of fiend and non-fiend parentage that the Cambian has. The book tells us that Cambians are certain to have horns, tails, and wings, though. And as usual, you know, when the book tells us that something is certain, feel free to do the exact opposite. <laughs> yes, Which, like, is... I think is fair. <laughs> you know, the Null God is a fiend. I want to see a sexy alt-rock Null Cambian. <laughs> I don't think that's too much to ask. <laughs> Put that in my game. You have just turned... Wow. Holy shit. Why not? Yeah, I mean, why not <laughs> is what I say about everything. So you're right. Why not? But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you can't give me these building blocks, D&D, and not expect me to not use them. But, yeah, so... Now I'm just imagining, like, a succubus that is a knoll, though. Yeah. Like, and, like, a, the human that's like, yeah, I can get into that. Ooh-woo, motherfucker, ooh-woo. <laughs> ooh-woo. Yeah. So, as you would expect, these fiendish Cambian children are inherently evil by birth, because... Cambians and fiends are flavored as, like, otherworldly forces rather than just people. I'm not necessarily bothered by the inherently evil race thing here in the same way that I'm bothered by bugbears and bullywugs. But these evil monster children grow into evil monster adults, much to the dismay of the humanoid parent, which would be kind of a fun Rosemary's Baby kind of arc if you so choose to incorporate that. <laughs> the book tells us that they have a proclivity towards domination, often attempting to overthrow governments of nearby towns and establishing hordes of mortal and fiendish servants. So there's your adventure hook, right? Devil child stole my town. <laughs> God, he's back. Yep. Farmer, Farmer Steve in his sad days. <laughs> the sad days of Farmer Steve. 
a D&D adventure module. That would be the best book. It would be like 600 pages and every hook is like exactly the same. Yep. So should the fiend parent have custody of the Cambian as opposed to the humanoid parent, or at least if the Cambian is raised in the place of their fiendish heritage, they will often be bullied into servitude by their monstrous parent. So if the parent is a devil in the Nine Hells where the devils live, the Cambian will serve as a soldier or a servant in some way, hoping for a chance for a hell promotion. If the parent is a demon in the abyss where the demons live, the Cambian will live a might makes right kind of lifestyle where they carve out whatever niche they can physically carve with their spear. Yeah. As kind of an important detail, there's this demon god that we mentioned briefly, Grast? Grazit? Grazd? I, so it's spelled exactly like Dritz. So like yeah, but Dritz has no uh, apostrophe, whereas Grazd does. Dritz doesn't have an apostrophe. No, it's just D R I Z Z T. I read that shit when I was a kid. Holy shit! Yeah, I was almost positive that in Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance two there was an apostrophe in there, but I guess not. Nope. You gotta revoke you. You can't do this podcast anymore. Fuck! I'm out. You made a critical. This is like the Link Zelda thing for D and D. I gotta turn in my fucking. I gotta turn in my badge and my gun. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Yeah, so regardless, as kind of an important detail, there's this demon god, Gradst, I'm going to go with, who's like the demon god of hedonism. And he ends up being the patron demon of succubi and incubi, and he's known for squirting a bunch of Cambian babies into mortals throughout the ages. Yeah, it's gross. There's kind of this nauseating (laughs) implication that he's like grooming mortals for procreating since he only goes for mortals that have already trafficked with fiends. So like... Kind of ick, one's mileage may vary there, depending on how that's depicted. But Cambian sired by Grazd bear his super sexy traits, including his super sexy hooves and his super sexy six-fingered hands. You know, all the better for caressing, (laughs) for sex pats. That's how you do it. (laughs) That's my favorite position. Ah, yes, sex pats. Yeah. We have official... G-Man pronunciation, folks. Yes, what is Dungeons it? Dungeons and Dragons Twitter posted this really stylized trivia page for him, and it has his name, and underneath it says Gratz, as in congrats. Gratz, okay. Gratz. So, yes. If you're a Gratz baby, you are... <laughs> if you're a part of the Gratz line of sexy Gratz dolls... We're those Gratz kids. Yeah, if you're a Gratz kid... You uh, bear his unearthly beauty because Gratz is actually super fucking hot being the the lust god. Uh, But you also have hooves and six-fingered hands, which is hot in a way. I guess it's hot in its own way. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like if you didn't have the unearthly beauty thing after that and you just said has hooves and six-fingered hands, I would have assumed the worst. Yeah. Well, you know, don't yuck my yum. I mean, like, hey, man, whatever. Quit putting your yuck in my yum. I'm one for a tiefling with hooves. I just, the, I imagine six-figured hands to be a lot weirder looking. Than... Yeah, yeah, I don't mind tieflings with hooves. I I just like wearing shoes, putting shoes on my character. <laughs> you can, fucking, you gotta get those cool stylized hoof things. Like a hoof polish? It's like, they're like anklets. It's boots that are anklets. So like, if you have hooves, this works for minotaurs and centaurs as well. You can wear magical boots because when you go to put them on, they adjust to your hooves. Oh, so they just become like attractive socks? In universe, they probably become like when you put boots on a dog and it starts walking funny. But (laughs) I like to imagine that they just turn into like anklets. Hmm, that's interesting. I should note that the cambion that we get in the artistic representation does have feet as far as we can tell. This is not a Gratz baby. No, this is not a Gratz baby. Truth be told, while I think that there are a lot of standard D&D tropes in the divide between demons and devils, there are, and this might be because I'm already on the other side of it, there are some interesting things to be found in the fiendish pantheon of D&D. So while it does look like a convoluted mess, I think it does kind of scratch that itch that you're looking for in terms of, you know, if you as DM want to do a Mephistopheles Faustian kind of thing, the Nine Hells are very nice, succinct examples of evil, lawful creatures. Whereas if you want to just, you know, have the biggest badass monster horde, demons are also a pretty good example of these chaos murder machines. Yeah, and like a really cool thing of the Nine Hells is that there's 
every layer is like very distinctly its own thing with its own big bad guy yeah dante's inferno style yeah so like you could have an entire campaign set in one of the layers of hell yeah and that would be kind of fun and so if if there is similar all i can do is guarantee you that there is it's it's not as bad as the demon war part of mordenkainen's makes it look out to be (laughs) uh so if you do feel an allure or a draw to do fiend campaign Cambians do feel like a nice way to ease you and your party into that side of D&D lore, since I guarantee that punching Asmodeus will be on the bucket list of at least one of your characters. We're going to talk about this at some point, uh, but I will forget when we talk about them. Mm. The demon lord Zugtmoy. Yeah. The fungal queen. Uh-huh. I want to see them try to make a fucking hot fungus <laughs> champion. Where's my fuck shroom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole new meaning to mushroom tip yeah absolutely (laughs) whap whap now that's a sex lap (laughs) oh boy So mechanically, Cambians work kind of in that weird way that all of the celestial monsters worked, angels included. Like angels, the mechanical side of the Cambian feels fairly, like, broad, too broadly powerful. It does kind of give me that OC do not steal feeling a little bit, in that I would really prefer it if Cambians were to pick a lane mechanically. They feel like they're... it almost feels like, similar to Deva, they're the kind of creature that is built for a social campaign, and then also, you know, whenever the fight gets going, they can just do whatever they feel like. Yeah, they're pretty good at fighting. Yeah, which means that, you know, I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I didn't provide a what I think is a, a, a good and capable way of using the Cambion, such that you're highlighting specific parts of what the Cambion can do at specific parts in the fight. I was reading over its I was reading over its combat stuff just to see like if there was anything grossly like <laughs> if I, it's it's mostly hidden the gross stuff is really so like they're they're pretty good tanks they're also pretty good casters yeah. plus they have a fly Fiendish speed blessing yeah big, big bad news yeah big bad news <laughs> that so we'll get into it I think there is a an art to using a cambion in a decent fun way but we'll get into it in a minute. And I think part of why the Cambion is designed so muddledly as it is, I think that, you know, Wizards of the Coast made a creature that in lore is the child of another creature. So they wanted to, I imagine, mechanically express the succubus heritage of the Cambion while still making Cambions kind of powerful in their own way. And so what they ended up doing is they threw a bunch of pretty decent spells onto a creature that they also wanted to be a pretty decent tank. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up feeling a little bit unfocused. But I think there is a way to make Cambians feel like a good boss fight. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the Cambian is a capital M medium-sized creature of any evil alignment. The The book tells us that they can be of any evil alignment such that you can adjust your particular Cambian to whether or not it's a lawful evil devil Cambian or a chaotic evil demon Cambian. Or if you want to get crazy weird with it, some mixture of the two. Yeah, what the hell's a neutral evil fiend? Does that uh, exist? I imagine, so, fuck, you're, if I had to guess, succubi <laughs> and incubi can also, you know, when they're not straddling humans, they're also straddling the lines between devils and demons. So I can imagine if a Cambian is raised solely by a succubi or incubi parent that doesn't have anything to do with the hells or the abyss, that Cambian could be neutral evil. Yeah, that would probably be what I... Is my guess. Yeah. Your yeah. Orion headcanon. Yeah, if I were to do it, that would possibly, if, you know, that, that could be an expression of Cambians. In terms of their number stuff, they have a challenge rating of 5, which is notably more than the succubi, but whatever. They have a very, very high AC of 19, because they wear special armor, and they also have a special trait that we'll talk about. They have a pretty low HP of 82, but that gets complicated in a minute. <laughs> they have a walk speed of 30, and a fly speed of 60. So the HP seems low. They get a ton of resistances that effectively doubles the HP. Yeah. To enumerate them, they are resistant to cold, fire, lightning, poison, 
and then the physical weapon damage from non-magical weapons, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. So yeah. their HP is effectively doubled. So what with the crazy high 19 AC and the what ends up effectively being a pretty crazy high HP of 164, this feels very much like a boss level monster for an early party. For sure. Absolutely. It's, it's the same resistances as a succubus. So like... Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's a little... just that in combination with yes the AC. Yes. Like... So yeah, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Is they wanted to throw a bunch of holdover child traits that succubi have onto the Cambian to give them that mechanical attachment to their parent. But mm-hmm. I think that by doing that and also making the Cambian a capable frontliner, the Cambian is now just really good at everything, and that feels boring to me. Yeah. It's, like, the the thing that makes succubuses a little interesting is that they're weak. Like... Yeah, yeah. They are, in terms of strength, lacking. Yeah, they're casters and charmers and nothing else. I guess they didn't give Cambians, like, the 20 charisma that the succubus has, but still... But still. But still, yeah. the, that doesn't impact the save DC such that it makes their spells pushovers right Mm -hmm. it's not farting out a charm it's actually still a really capable caster in its own right yeah for sure yeah so again like angels cambians have high attributes across the board with their average attribute score being 16 oof yeah their saving throws are similarly horrifying with bonuses to strength constitution intelligence and charisma saving throws also oof yeah i mean like it's it's not the worst they don't get dexterity and wisdom bonuses so yeah, like, so like the two, the two technically most important ones. Yeah, but like everything else feels, I don't know. It it still feels like a lot for a creature to have. They're proficient in the saving throw that banishment uses, I think. So yeah, you're not gonna have banishment at that point, I don't think, though. Fifth level. Fifth level, I don't think so. Oh, banishment is a fourth level spell, isn't it? Yeah, oh, um, I thought it was third for some reason. You're right. Yeah, I think what's going on here is if I had to really guess the crazy amount of resistances that they have and the significant amount of saving throws they wanted to make something that was defensively powerful to give it like a boss tier level kind of quality to it Mm -hmm. moreover if i had to extend that idea further i'm guessing that it might be them trying to in the early game reflect the fiend's ability to shake off magic so we'll get to it when we get into devils like pit fiends and shit like that they usually have a trait called fiendish resistance or something like that where they can just they have advantage on saving throws against magic and whatnot and so i'm imagining that the reason why the cambian and the succubi have all these resistances and saving throw bonuses is to kind of in some way without making them too difficult give the cambian that kind of resistance to magic yeah yeah that makes sense yeah i i was also thinking uh as you're you kind of point out and it does seem that this is like built to be a boss monster without being like a legendary yeah because i think that's too Um, early right you don't want to throw legendary actions in to the game before maybe cr 8 to 10 yeah for sure i think one of the things like thinking about in in retrospect you said that the that fifth edition treats uh succubus's breeding with humans as very rare so that does lend itself to the cambian being like you there aren't a bunch of them there's like one strong one you fight yeah like yeah i think that the nature of the cam and we'll get to it in a minute where i start throwing out ideas for how to use cambians i think there (laughs) yeah yeah, this is definitely going to be a villain in your maybe first adventure arc in your campaign if you're gonna decide to do devil stuff Mm -hmm. yeah so again all the resistance and stuff makes their hp crazy high which is kind of a big deal because even at fifth level if somebody's sporting a magic sword it's probably still going to be kind of rare and nobody except for the warlock is going to be throwing force damage at every turn i guess i should say magic missile as well yeah but no yeah so (laughs) the 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 likelihood of somebody throwing magic missile every turn is very low also very low (laughs) so again unless somebody's sport in a magic sword or throw and force damage every turn the cambian effectively has double the hp which makes the cambian pretty beefier than average yeah as usual cambians like pretty much everything else in this book they get dark vision out to 60 feet and they have a solid passive perception of 14 
The book kind of, again, uh, leaning into the variable lore of Cambians, it tells us that they can speak Abyssal, Common, and Infernal, which are, you know, Abyssal being the demon language and Infernal being the devil language. This is another place where you can adjust the facts according to the history of your Cambian, with the demonic Cambians knowing uh, Abyssal and the devilish Cambians knowing Infernal. Yeah. In terms of their traits, they get a trait called Fiendish Blessing, which which adds their significant charisma bonus to their AC, which accounts for the high 19 AC that they have. The flavoring here feels kind of slapdash. I can I like mm-hmm. I get that for fiends, force of will is often a source of power for that kind of creature, but the fluff isn't quite there for me. There's not enough context for me for why being charismatic makes you harder to punch. Yeah, like the if <laughs> I could see if they had leaned more into, like, the, the ooh, sexy fiend thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like if it was, like, an attraction kind of thing. Yeah, or like, like or, or, like, if, like, if this, if this bonus to AC was on a creature that wasn't a martial character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Which, uh, even then, even then, I think there's room for it. Like, warlocks use charisma to cast armor of agathis so it could do something like this where i just would like to see the link between their innate kind of fiendish force of will and them being tougher to hit realistically this trait kind of similar to brute is just there to pump up their badass devil knight fine yeah yeah does no the succubus doesn't have this trait does it nope yeah that's what i mean is that this feels like a thing the succubus should have not the campion I, well, I would prefer it if neither had it, because again, you know me, I, I don't want high AC monsters. Oh, yeah, for sure, but we live in a world where it exists, so I just mean, like... I, yeah, so I think, you know, if I had to guess, they wanted, the, again, they wanted the Cambion to be kind of a fighter, like a Gish magic swordsman mm-hmm. kind of thing, so they wanted to boost up the AC, whereas they were fine with the Succubi and the Incubi just being casters, so they yep. didn't much care for the AC. And, and I also agree that the fluff or the, like, the narrative structure of this trait doesn't really provide enough context for it to make sense narratively, I guess. Yeah, there's, it's just, there isn't really anything there. It's just kind of... It's just there to give more numbers. Yeah, leaving you to fill out why the numbers are there if you feel like it. (laughs) They also get a trait called Innate Spellcasting, which is a pretty common trait in D&D. It's just there to provide a monster with access to thematically appropriate spells. In this case, the Cambion being the child of the enchanter sex demon the cambion has access to three uses each of the following spells alter self command and detect magic so to provide some context alter self is like an upgraded disguise self where you can physically change your body mystique style and also you can change to adapt your form darwin style if we're going to continue the x-men comparisons (laughs) command is like a simpler suggestion where you give somebody a one word command and if they fail their wisdom save they follow that command for that turn which is good for like quick debuffs or ways of controlling your enemies like a wizard would. And then there's Detect Magic, which points out magical effects in the area. Yep. In this case, I would say that, so laying some cards on the table, I think the Cambion is built to be kind of a evil vizier, kind of controlling the government in the background kind of creature. So I can Mm. imagine a Cambion using Detect Magic as a counterintelligence measure, trying to figure out when they're when something nearby is trying to deceive them magically. Interesting. I hadn't considered the <laughs> the, the military operations of the Cambion. Yeah, I wasn't like, and I say this, I'm using spy language. I just mean like, I see the Cambion as like a Jafar figure. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even considered using them that way. Like for some reason, I think it's because of how they look. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, it's, it's again, Cambions are muddled. I, th- I I think I think they are. I think they're designed to be built to be major villains of an initial adventure arc. So mm-hmm. they're built to be good at everything. But I think that what Cambians, in terms of what they get in terms of magic and skills. So the book tells us that they're rebellious, they're megalomaniacal, and they like to overthrow governments and install themselves as the leader. They get all of these spells built towards disguising themselves and commanding other people. And then we'll talk about it in a second. They also get bonuses to a bunch of social and stealth skills. I think that these guys are meant to be the like Grima worm tongue figure controlling the mayor of the town until you yeah. expose them as a fiend and then the fight is on. 
and it's supposed to be big and climactic. <laughs> they definitely do have kind of a um, the ability to just hide in plain sight for your campaign. They they are very what's the we we talked about this before with a different creature, but I can't remember. Maybe it was bugbears. <laughs> they seem to be like uh fighter rogues yeah yeah but with spell casting a bit of everything <laughs> they're like yeah well yes that's i guess that is the problem yes yeah but they, they have like the skill set with which to be an assassin but also a knight yeah but also <laughs> which like is kind of somewhat fair warlocks can do similar things they can that's kind of true. fulfill roles whatever role they feel like doing so that's true yeah this is like an all-in-one warlock i just think in terms of designing a monster I would rather have something that picks a lane and sticks in it rather than is good at everything. But I can see the appeal of also having a big bad evil cambion that makes your life hell for the first 10 sessions or whatever. Would you have preferred, just out of curiosity, if there had been like uh, two sub cambions? Like if there were fighter cambion, mage cambion, like stat blocks? You know, I, I think I, I would, but not in that way. I... Well, kind of in that way. I think that, so the way that Cambians are structured now, they're very much built towards lawful evil stuff. They're built to sneak in and take something down from the inside. A demon Cambian, I don't really know how this would work. Like you can turn, you can use Alter Self to make you into a monster. You can use Command to make people kneel at your feet. Beyond that, I don't know. It feels like these spells <laughs> have more applications towards sneaking in somewhere and being lawful evil rather than just yeah. eating whatever is nearby chaotic evil style. Yeah, this this stat block that we are given feels very devilish. Yeah, so what I would like is a devil cambion and then a, a demon cambion where the devil cambion has all of the like controlling spell casting effects and the demon cambion has like crazy mobility and can take more damage kind yeah, of things. Weird. If if they both have to be fighter spellcaster then like the demon cambion has like fucking crazy weird cold necrotic fear spells yeah, or something or like, like misty step so it can rush into yeah. stuff that whole yeah. kind of thing whatever can yeah, shorten the line between it and murder <laughs> yeah and again i i do want to point out that all of the innate spells that they get here are sort of minor reflections of the transformative and charm magic abilities that the succubi and the incubi get which is a cute touch i do like that there is a through line there i just don't like that the cambion can do whatever it feels like yeah they also get a once-per-day self-targeted plane shift, which I believe we talked about briefly with Angels and to some extent with Eric Cochran's. It basically allows a creature to teleport from one plane of existence to another. This can be used as an effective escape if the battle's going badly or if you want to preserve your cool-ass demon villain, fine. Feel free to use it in order to get the, the Cambion outside of the reach of the Paladin and into the somewhat safety of the Nine Hells, if you so choose. Yeah. It's a little wild because, like, succubuses don't have that, so, like... Yeah, I think it's... Where where did Cambians get that? I think like, it's, like, another vestige of, like, this thing of multiple worlds can exist in multiple planes kind of thing. As, like, this uh, liminal yeah, kind of okay. creature. It's It has the ability to travel. It being inherently liminal is the guess I'm making. That would make sense, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of actions, the Cambian gets its special charm action that it can take, kind of its signature move. It basically acts as an extended suggestion where the Cambian picks a target. The target makes a below average DC 14 wisdom save or gets charmed for the day, which causes the charmed target to follow the Cambian's commands. As always, if the charmed creature is damaged, takes damage, or is asked to do something suicidal by the Cambian, the charmed creature gets to make a new save as opposed to the charm just dropping, which is often the case yeah, yeah, yeah. in other spells. So what I'm hearing is, if the Cambion asks someone to jump off a cliff and that creature doesn't make the safety save, <laughs> yeah. they'll jump off the cliff. They just do it. Yeah, that's kind of fucked. I didn't even... It, it is kind of fucked. And I think it is, again, a autonomous microcosmic example of the Cambion as being too broadly powerful. I think, like, if... Okay, so when I first read it, how I how I took it was if harmed, they make the saving throw. If asked to do something suicidal, they make a saving throw and then don't do the thing. But like it doesn't say they don't do the thing. It does not say they don't do the thing. So, so I don't know. If you want to go Twitter dive, you can. I will I don't really feel like it. Cool. I think it's funnier if they do the thing. So <laughs> Sure. So as always, and 
it's something that I'm coming to terms with. When you get a monster that is blatantly overpowered like this, while it does feel scary, remember that you as the DM get to make the adult decisions, so you get to make the choice as to whether or not the Cambion asks something to jump off a cliff, right? Mm -hmm. As usual, if the creature saves or the effect ends, the creature is immune to this charm for the next day. Kind of importantly, unlike with a regular spell that a player would get, I don't think there's a concentration limit on this either, which means that at the start of the fight, the Cambion has an amount of potential buddies equal to the number of people in the room. Huh. Yeah, another thing yeah. that is not explicitly stated, so I'm going to assume it means that the Cambion does not operate by traditional spellcasting rules, which means... Wild. Yeah, it's wild, but I think it informs how a Cambion fight goes such that it does not become boring. I'll get to it in a second. Yeah, okay. Moreover, the Cambion gets a special multi-attack. This multi-attack being somewhat special in that it can be used to make two melee attacks with its spear, or it can make two spell attacks with its fire ray kind of cantrip spell that we'll talk about in a second. The spear is pretty standard. It has a high accuracy plus seven to hit. The spear can, as spears can be, thrown with a standard 2060 range. Although because of this fire cantrip that the Cambion gets, the Cambion pretty much has no reason to ever throw their spear unless they're like silenced or in an anti-magic zone or something like that. Mm -hmm. The spear does seven or eight points of piercing damage based on whether or not the Cambion is using two hands. So D6 plus four or D8 plus four, it works with versatile. The Cambion also gets an extra plus three, one D6 fire damage on every hit with their spear. Yeah, which isn't too bad. No, and we'll find that even if the Cambion does make both hits, their combined damage, the, the average damage that they can do in a turn is significantly lower than what their challenge rating should allow for on yeah, average. thinking about it, let's, hold on, seven. It's, it's like a couple of standard deviations below. Yeah, I was trying to think of, I was like trying to compare, Cambians do as much melee damage as a bugbear does. Yeah, <laughs> and there's, you know. Four challenge ratings in between. Yeah, there's yeah. four challenge ratings in between them. Alternatively, the Cambion can shoot out a fire ray, sort of cantrip thing that also has a solid plus seven to hit with a hell of a range of 120 feet. Again, they don't need to ever throw their spear if they don't want to. Doing 10 3d6 fire damage. And they can do the fire ray twice as well. Yes. So putting it all together, mechanically, I do stand by my statement that the Cambion is too versatile and broadly competent to feel like a good monster, like a well-designed creature. But to mm -hmm. my mind, this is how... I would do a Cambion. So with the sheer volume of social and subterfuge skills and the charm abilities that Cambions get, along with the sheer hugeness of the AC and the effective HP of the Cambion, I'm thinking that the Cambion is best used as a main villain for like the first act of your campaign. And that there should be probably a significant amount of role-playing and non-combat social encounter stuff surrounding the Cambion. So, you know, the party reaches Stone Town, where the mayor is being manipulated by this charming newcomer, the party starts, you know, trying to take this Cambion down. They become aware of, in some way, the Cambion's true nature. And the Cambion is spending, like, the first four sessions of this arc using all of the social and magical tricks that it has in order to stonewall the party and keep the government poised against your party. Ultimately leading to the party eventually unmasking this Cambion, and then your big fight ensues. During this big fight, I think there are some things that you should be mindful of as a DM. So firstly, just because the Cambion has a fly speed and a ton of magic does not necessarily mean that the Cambion fight should be a keep away fight. I think that because of the massive HP and the massive AC and the fact that the Cambion does not do a lot of damage, this fight, if you make it a keep away fight, it will last the rest of your goddamn life and it will be really boring yeah. real fast. That sounds like a recipe for just player fatigue. Absolutely. So to my mind, this works kind of like a Dark Souls boss in that there are phases to it. So phase one, the Cambion has all of its magic because fight has just started. The Cambion is just going to fly around during this part, throwing charms at as many party members as possible, trying to get as much of the party to fight each other as much as it can. During this time, the Cambion may also, you know, be chucking fire rays at whoever deserves it and whoever is not currently being charmed. Once everybody in the room is immune to the charm, either by saving out of it or being damaged out of it or what, or is dead, whatever, the Cambion then will descend to the floor, do not make it fly anymore in order to engage <laughs> the PCs directly, supplementing a bunch of spear attacks and firebolts with the occasional command spell in order to debuff the party. 
However, and this is the other big thing. And again, of course, I should mention, if your party is like seven archers, feel free to let it fly around. I'm just saying for the general party makeup, the Cambian should probably keep boots to the ground once it's done charming things. However, and this is the other big thing about Cambians, once the Cambian is out of commands, is out of altered self, is out of new toys to play with and to show the party in order to make the party go, oh shit, things got real, you probably just want the Cambian to die as soon as possible. So mm -hmm. once the Cambian's out of commands to use, either have them plane shift out of there if you want to do the recurring villain thing, or just let, you know, the next stab or two kill him. Otherwise, it's going to be two or three more turns of people just crowding around this poor sexy devil thing, whapping them to death with swords. Mm -hmm. Pretty boring stuff. Yeah, I I always try to think about, like, uh, using phases for monsters that I'm afraid will be super boring to fight. Yeah. And I guess he has a lot of tools. Cambians have a lot of tools to uh, assist in that. But, man, once he's out of spells and he does have to kind of, like, get the fuck out of there, I, it gets back to... Yeah, let me just poke at you with my shitty spear for yeah. the next four hours. Are you having fun yet? Yeah, because, like, even, it's, no amount of him running into the fray will make that 19 AC go down. No. And, again, <laughs> this is going to be a lot of misses and a lot of doing half damage, chipping away mm -hmm. best they can until the Cambian falls over. Yeah. It's, uh... It's not... It's rough. I, yeah, it's pretty rough. So, again, I cannot reinforce this enough. I'm a big fan of once the Cambian is out of commands, give him one or two more turns and then end it. <laughs> Just kill him just kill him or alternatively and let me provide this to you so so because i think the cambion is supposed to act as like a major villain for your initial campaign arc or whatever i think that there are ways to make this kind of cooler you could probably have a couple of minor sessions or adventures where the party knows that they're fighting something inherently fiendish and are actually like going out in order to seek out the weaknesses of this cambion in order to take it down without having to deal with its resistances so it might be cool to be like you know if old man gandalf or whatever is like don't try stabbing the cambion it'll just shrug it off then he can point the party towards finding the plus one rapier of magicness in order to kind of circumvent and make the party feel like they're doing actual damage and have yeah. earned that actual damage and this can go on for some time they could do a bunch of research in order to figure out how to take down the cambion there could be some fun there and, and I would probably point the party towards doing that, if only because Cambians don't need all that health, and I'm probably just going to cut the fight short anyway. Mm -hmm. Moreover, if you are in the mood to make this a recurring thing, I'm kind of a fan of the idea of getting the Cambian to plane shift out of this boss fight, so the players, you know, have a vendetta, which is kind of fun, you know, you can spin that and make that pretty cool. Yeah. So then either A, you have a recurring Cambian villain, which can be fun. B, I'm a big fan of the idea of like the party is like, ah, fuck, we got to get the Cambian. Forgetting about him, spending the next 10 levels doing whatever else they're doing. And then whenever <laughs> they get to going to the Nine Hells, they find this shitty Cambian who's like flipping hell burgers over at Hell McDonald's because he's just shitty Cambian <laughs> in the middle of the Nine Hells. And then they just fuck the shit out of this Cambian. <laughs> I can see that being really satisfying of like, here's this guy that KO'd our barbarian because his AC is way too fucking high. Let's just fucking meteor storm him out of here. Let's just waste him. Yeah, just destroy, ream this Cambian asshole. <laughs> I think that would be fun. Yeah, for sure. That sounds cathartic as hell. Especially since, like, it would make sense for the Cambian to be kind of a garbage-tier monster mm -hmm. in the middle of the Nine Hells. Yeah, in the grand scheme, yeah, for sure. You would not only get the schadenfreude of this Cambian being, like, you know, guard number two at the castle, you also get the satisfaction <laughs> of dropping an Earth Elemental on him with your party druid. <laughs> I... I just, like, the the guard outside the castle, I just had, like, a, a vivid mental image of, like, you walk in, you are in the hells for, like, whatever reason, maybe even diplomacy, who knows, and you just, like, walk up to the castle gates, the guards stop you, and one of them is like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, no. Oh, I need to leave. <laughs>
I gotta go. And then your bard just <laughs> counterspells the shit out of his plane shift, and you just <laughs> fuck him up. It feels good. Oh, man. Feels good in my brain. <laughs> so there's some fun to be had there. Yeah. But in conclusion, I can see the Cambian being, if used properly, and if you as the DM know when to stop the combat, I can see the Cambian being a neat, clever, early game villain that can set up a pretty cool fiend campaign. But I will confess that a straight Cambian fight, if I were to just not, you know, if I wasn't doing the show and I was like, oh, I need a fiend, uh, Cambians go. I can imagine this being a real boring fight mm -hmm. without proper preparation. Yeah. Cambians, though alphabetically the first fiend in the book, they're not the first fiend I would pick. They, I, I feel like they do kind of a disservice representing how fun fiends can be to fight. Yeah. Just because, like, they're, I don't know, like, if it was, like, a big bad fiend that's, like, CR10, it would have a reason to be badass at a bunch of different stuff. But Cambians, I don't know. There's just something about them that feel kind of... I think they hit the notes because just by sheer, you know, just through the sheer versatility of the Cambian, they hit all of the notes of what a fiend can do. So that's not necessarily what bothers me. I just would like, you know, I, I like things that are really good at one thing as opposed to things that are really good at everything. Yeah, yeah. But my favorite fiends are the ones that are specialized. Yeah, yeah. But there's an argument to be made that the versatility is good for a recurring villain kind of thing, which I think is yeah. kind of what they're going for. So, like, I see it. I just, like, tamp down that fucking 19 AC is really the <laughs> the, the grump I have about this. If yeah, it was 16 AC, sure. I would be fine. If it wasn't resistant to so many things, I would be fine. But because it's resistant to everything, because the AC is crazy high, and because of the magic shit, I just feel like, you know, slow your roll, Cambion. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. They're all right. Yeah, they're fine. They're 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 okay. Yeah. They're hot. Yeah, they're they're very hot. I would do. <laughs> I would do. But that's Cambians. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I hope you enjoyed us picking apart this good, good fiend boy, or at least this mediocre, mediocre fiend boy. Uh, <laughs> if you like what you listen to, I'd recommend you check out some more Tooth and Nail. We're doing this all the time. Well, like crazy, I'm chained to my desk. It's a nightmarish existence <laughs> I live. He can only leave when we finish the monster manual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get fed once a week, and it's some crusty bread. Well, it's regular bread when we buy it, but, like, by the time the week is up and you get it, it's not as great. Yeah. But if you don't appreciate my toilings and my sufferings, uh, feel free to check out other shows on nerdsmith.org. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty much the entire network is just simultaneously chained to the same desk, and we pass around the same crusty bread. Uh, so, you know, feel morally, morally satisfied that you're helping out one slave artist. So that'll about do it for this episode of Tooth and Nail. Uh, what's a good creature comfort? Get you, get you a man who can do everything. I think is your yeah, creature comfort you, for the get day. Get you a hot six-fingered devil man who will make you hot cocoa and hoof it on over to you. And also can fight off demons. And also can cast spells. And also is charismatic. And also can sneak around. And also <laughs> has some minor ranged capabilities as well. Yeah, he can do it all yeah. for you. Yeah, just for you. Sip that cocoa, baby. You deserve it. <laughs> Have a good day. Have a good day.